0: This program is brought to you by Jim Humboldt's MMS. It's better to have it and not need it, and need it, and not have it. Go to the Veritas store or gotmms.com. Believe me, you don't want to be without it, especially at this time of the year. Order today.
1: The questions you always had. The answers you were never given. The place to seek the truth. Welcome to Veritas.
0: To say that quantum physics is the greatest scientific discovery of all time is not an exaggeration. In their discovery of the quantum realm, the physics community stumbled upon a genuine multifaceted revelation which can be likened to a profound spiritual treasure. A heretofore undreamed of creative power, hidden within our own mind. Quantum physics unequivocally points out that the study of the universe and the study of consciousness are inseparably linked, which is to say that ultimate progress in the one will be impossible without progress in the other. Einstein declared that what it reveals is so immensely important that it should be everyone's concern. Yet, few of us in the general public truly understand how the game-changing discoveries of the past century not only relate to our day-to-day lives, but also gives us insights into the nature of reality and our place within. Greetings, I'm your host, Mel Fabregas at Veritas Radio. If you want to listen to tonight's full interview and all of our material, click on the subscribe button. Join me on Facebook and YouTube. And if you want to get in touch with me, want to be a guest on this radio program, have a guest suggestion, or have feedback, just click on the contact button of our website. At VeritasRadio.com. So, if you're interested in waking up and dreaming lucidly, be it in your own night dreams or your waking life, or even changing the world for the better, listen carefully to Paul Levy, tonight's special guest. Paul is a pioneer in the field of spiritual emergence. He's a wounded healer in private practice, assisting others who are also awakening to the dreamlike nature of reality. He's the founder of the Awakening in the Dream community in Portland, Oregon, a creative artist. He is deeply steeped in the work of Carl Jung and has been a Tibetan Buddhist practitioner for over 35 years. He has been writing since the mid-90s, and his new book is titled Quantum Revelation, a Radical Synthesis of Science and Spirituality. And we have a more comprehensive bio on our website. His website is awakeninthedream.com. Paul Levy joins us directly from Portland, Oregon. Hello, Paul, and welcome back to Veritas. How are you?
1: Hi. Yeah, I'm so happy to be here, Mel. Thank you.
0: My pleasure. And you know, I was telling you offline, I can't believe that we spoke last five years ago, and I still, you know, get comments once in a while from people talking about Wetiko. And you'd speak about Wetiko in this new book. But first of all, mm-hmm. writing this book was an act of ceremonial magic, you say. Why is that?
1: Yeah. Well, um, how come I say that is the act of, of writing the book, it, it deepened my understanding of quantum physics so immensely that it, it transformed me. And, and that's what magic is, really. That's what in a way, that's what art is. And so it's not just a, an ordinary book in the sense, you know, written by a scholar, because I'm not a physicist or written out of my intellect. It was really coming from a deep place in me and and finding the correlations between what i was accessing in myself and what quantum physics were, you know, is pointing at and as i was connecting those dots i began to realize wow it's actually deepening my my awakening so that's that's what i mean
0: you know after reading the book and when i want to hear the word quantum to me quantum is the infinite possibilities the the infinite it's beyond the infinitum if you will and i read in the book something about accessing the parallel self. That was a little bit mind-blowing to me, that sometimes we want to access knowledge in the ether or the, or the universe, but we can access a parallel self. Can you explain what is that?
1: Yeah, well, okay. Um, yeah, that's, that, that's a great question. Um, one way of beginning to understand quantum physics is that um, the act of observation is, 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 this, is this creative moment where up until that moment that we observe the quantum entity it's in a state of potentiality like every potential state it could exist in it's existing in in the realm of of potential and then the act of observing it all of a sudden it becomes actualized in a specific manifestation but that means like you know that means a lot there are a lot of implications to that but one of the things it means is that it expands the realm of the possible, that we think, you know, we tend, we've been kind of programmed or conditioned to think that only certain things are possible and a lot of things are impossible. But, you know, quantum physics is actually showing us that even something that's that's ridiculously highly unlikely still is in the realm of the possible and could be the universe that manifests. And that has enormous implications in so many ways. And one of them is about, well, who who we are and how we can actually incarnate and that we can actually invoke and embody the part of us that's whole and that's um, this genius and has this incredible creative power. Um, to be a benefit for the world, so you know it's a rabbit hole that expands the realm of the possible to the point where it even becomes a, like a question: What is impossible, if if anything?
0: Every time I have somebody that discusses this topic, quantum, quantum physics theory, I ask him the same question. I remember mm-hmm. Dr. Uh, Amit Goswami like a few years ago. We discussed this too. But what does quantum physics mean to you?
1: Oh, what does it mean to me? Yes. Yeah. Well, okay, that's such, a, that's such a cool question because, you know, for me, I began having this personal awakening in 1981 and, you know, I've, I've, I've written about it, I've openly spoken about it. It got me in deep trouble in the sense that I was in my mid-20s and I wasn't prepared for what I was encountering and I basically was having the realization that this was a collective shared dream, that we were all dreaming up together. And I was so enthusiastic that it really kind of freaked people out and I got hospitalized and diagnosed and it could have been a nightmare, but I knew I was having an awakening. But why I bring that up is that from my vantage point current day, when I contemplate what I was experiencing, I was having this direct encounter with the quantum realm. It was like I had, had, you know, sort of uncoupled from my conditioning And I was having this direct experience of what quantum physics is pointing at. So it's something that's very close to my heart. And it's it's intimately having to do also with my spiritual practice. And that's one of the the main points of the book is that spirituality and and physics or like, you know, what we think of as the physical world and the mind. They're actually not distinct. They're actually not, you know, they're not separate. And just that itself is such an amazing, you know, insight. And that, that's one of the things that I'm continually trying to deepen in, in my work. Very important. Very important, to, important. To, to,
0: something? Did
1: you hear some voices in the background? You yeah, know, I just you just blanked out. I just didn't hear anything.
0: OK, so something happened where I couldn't hear you. I couldn't hear my voice and it disappeared. But OK. okay. Anyway, primordial so, questions. Sure. Who are we? Where do we come from? where are yeah, we going yeah. have you found these answers by studying quantum theory and quantum physics
1: absolutely absolutely that that's where i make the point that quantum physics is promoting itself to become a spiritual path and that's why and in a really simple way i can explain that so quantum physics is so revolutionary that, you know, it's it's even hard to imagine anything that's more that's more revolutionary or radical than quantum physics. And, you know, what I mean when I say that is that the universe that pre quantum physics, the, the classical physics was studying, i.e. the objective world, quantum physics has proven empirically again and again beyond the shadow of a doubt, that 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 doesn't even exist. There, it's nonsense to talk about the objective world. There is no such thing that the act of observing the world actually influences the world that we're observing. The observer is the observed, and that I can go into a lot. But to answer your specific question, as soon as you began to have insight into that there's no objective world, well, then what happened to the subject that's having a relationship to the objective world? If there's no object out there, all of a sudden, well, the subject needs an object for it to be a subject. To be in relationship to the object, so when all of a sudden the floor get the rug gets pulled out, and you realize there's no objective universe, all of a sudden a really profound question is: Well, wait a second. If there's no objective universe, then what about the subject? What about me? What about who I've been in? You know, sort of in um, having an imagination of being that becomes you know this real question. So quantum physics, when you really sort of contemplate it in a certain way becomes a doorway to deepening our understanding of our true nature of who we actually are
0: and these are the notions and the concepts that were bending my mind as i was reading your book and we'll discuss for example the observer exists because there's a projection but who's the projection who's projecting all these notions we'll discuss later but you say the the uh, actually what motivated you to look into quantum physics and is learning about it almost like a psychedelic drug?
1: Oh, 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 totally. I I say that in my book, it's like a psychedelic drug that just continually is coming on and just is ever deepening. And that's, that's just my experience. And, but I feel that it, it could be everybody's experience and people who've read the book, you know, they're all saying basically the same thing that they're just feeling like they've ingested some sort of psychedelic drug. And, um, yeah, because, you know, what it what it's pointing at is that this universe is actually inseparable from from the mind that's observing it. And the implications of that are are just so profound, because all of a sudden, you know, what we've been entrained in thinking, you know, as this world and as reality, it's like, wait a second, that's not actually the case. And then who we've been, you know, envisioning ourselves as being, that's not who we are, and the relationship between us and the world is getting recontextualized, so it can't help but have this major impact on our mind, and, and actually one final thing about that, you know, quantum physics, I mean, it's it's being called, and there's no debate about this, it's the the greatest scientific discovery in all of history, and it's already changed the course of history, it's changed our world, through all the technology that that we've developed as a result of, of you know, quantum physics. But that's the low hanging fruit. That's less than one percent of the benefit of quantum physics. What I'm pointing at is that the real benefit is going to be how it affects our minds, how it affects our consciousness as we more and more like actually begin to, to realize what it's what is revealing to us. That's that's the real stuff that I'm that I'm interested in
0: who would be the father of quantum physics who who actually pioneered the term
1: well there there was a number there on the one hand there is there's planck max planck but but also albert einstein was one of the founding fathers and 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 werner heisenberg and erwin schrodinger and um in the early part of of the 20th century there were an amazing collection of these genius physicists And um, so that's when all of a sudden they began to discover the quantum realm. But just to, to invoke Einstein for a second, he was one of the founding fathers, but he he literally could never embrace what quantum physics was showing. His biographer actually said yeah, he thought way more about quantum physics than he thought about, like, you know, with with. With relativity or you know with relativity theory or special relativity that quantum physics was his demon he literally couldn 't wrap his mind around it, and um, you know because he was still attached to that what science is doing is studying this objective universe, and quantum physics was like showing again and again that that's a that 's a wrong notion that 's a mistaken idea there is no such thing as an objective universe and and einstein you know just even to his grave he couldn't he couldn't couldn't go there he was still holding on to that so you know i guess what why i bring him up the point is is that it so challenged these these you know the founding fathers of quantum physics in in their process of what they were discovering in the quantum realm it like absolutely challenged them to their core as far as like what is the nature of reality and who they were and so that's where it became this, in a way, potentially a spiritual path.
0: Okay. Do you think quantum physics will help us understand our concept of reality?
1: Oh, oh, absolutely. But only if, you know, like, you see, the thing is in what I've learned from, from doing all the research, you know, to write this book, is that there's an incredible edge in the physics community, Because, you know, if a physicist starts talking about consciousness or, you know, quantum physics is basically empirically showing it's proving beyond a shadow of a doubt that this is a collective dream. There's no doubt about that. And I just want people to really get that, that that's one of the implications that quantum physics is showing us. But, um, you know, the typical scientist who went to graduate school and got their Ph.D. and whether they're in academia or the corporate world, That's not what they've signed up for is to study consciousness, which involves studying themselves and their own like reactions. So the typical reaction in the physics community, whenever anybody talks about consciousness or how does, you know, because quantum physics is like showing you have to factor in consciousness to the equation of the universe. And anybody who brings that up, the typical response is shut up and calculate. the, the, The point is. That the typical corporately academically trained physicist is not interested in the meaning, you know, where the philosophy of quantum physics, they're more interested in just solving their equations and developing all these technologies and keeping in mind almost all of them. They work for the war machine, you know, so it's all involving getting power over nature. Um, so it's a real taboo. It's an edge to actually talk about what is the meaning of this miraculous thing that we've either discovered or created and and that's kind of where i come in because i'm not a physicist i'm you know if i you know if there's you know if there's these intense equations in math i just that's not what i'm interested in but what i'm interested in because the quantum physicists are saying this is not only the most important discovery in all of history in the realm of science but that it behooves us that it really serves us that we should understand that it has relevance incredible relevance for each and every one of us and that it really serves us to understand that so I'm just a curious person and I'm taking that seriously and I'm I'm like just contemplating well what what does this mean that all of a sudden like this this mana from heaven that's like you know helping us to to change the world with all these technologies what is the meaning of that? This thing just kind of manifested in our world and inside of our minds. So that's what I'm interested in. But that's very, you know, that's not what your typical physicist is interested in.
0: You mentioned Planck. You mentioned Einstein, uh, Oppenheimer in your book. But I would, I would have been curious, as, you know, what Tesla may have thought about this concept. And as you know, Tesla is the one that's erased from all, all our science books for a very good reason.
1: Right, right. But I quote Tesla. There's one Tesla quote where I say, and I'm, I'm paraphrasing, he said something like, it's a dangerous situation to place um, unlimited power in, in limited minds. And that's one of the real edges with reference to, you know, some of the real cutting edge technologies like with with like, you know, sort of um, the over unity energy and the, the zero point energy, but even how it's affecting consciousness that um, pretty much the main obstacle, you know, yeah, these technologies and these insights are being suppressed by the powers that be, but that's not even the main obstacle. The main obstacle is that the typical person can't even entertain in their wildest imagination the good news that quantum physics is showing us. Like, I, I, I you know, really try to make that point that quantum physics is the good news of the Bible, It's it's the Philosopher's Stone. It's the Holy Grail. It's the second coming. It's all those things. um, You know, they have different symbolism and different theologies. Well, quantum physics is that same energy, you know, energy coming through the medium of science. And I'm just pointing at, well, wait, if you look at it in a particular way, it's revealing to us. You know, not only what the nature of our situation is and who we are, but it's unlocking in the similar way that quantum physics unlocked the power of the atom with like, you know, with atomic energy, that's like the palest reflection of the creativity, the this the sacred creativity that quantum physics, when you contemplate it in a certain way, can unlock inside of our minds.
0: And you're right. You quote Tesla, it's hard to give a limited power to limited minds. But in the book, quantum physics doesn't come with instructions on how to use it. And like the mythical Holy Grail, the powers that quantum physics is unleashing can be used for good or for evil. And we know that Tesla, it's just not to stay with Tesla too too long, but he had technology that could have been used to, to power the entire planet, yet that technology was probably sequestered and it's probably being used today by the war machine Do you think quantum physics could be sequestered by certain scientists in order to perpetuate the state of negativity in this world as opposed to unleashing everything that we deserve?
1: Well, I would say that it is. It is being sequestered. You know, I mean, I talk about that in the book, that that's, you know, it's not, if this got out, what quantum physics is revealing to us, and it has, you know, it's not just this esoteric thing. You know, which has to do with technology. I mean, it has incredible like impact and, um, and insight, you know, with reference to our everyday lives. And so, yeah, there are like the powers that be don't want, um, the, the human population to really take in and really integrate and to realize what quantum physics is showing us because we would be unbelievably empowered. And like I said, we would access this incredible creativity. And particularly when we connect with each other, we could activate the collective genius and we could literally change the world. And that's not new age woo woo. That's, that's, that's reality. And so one of, I'm talking about in the book about becoming an activist, becoming a quantum activist, that when you, when any of us, when we tap in to the quantum, um, you know, sort of energy in the realm of the quantum, and, and we actually snap out of this spell of limitation that we've subscribed to, you know, that's part of the consensus reality, um, that's a threat to the powers that be, you know, but particularly when we're doing that with consciousness and from our heart and we're, because part of it is it can help us to recognize the interconnection because quantum physics is is a physics of wholeness. It's pointing out there's no separate there's no separation in the whole universe that every part of the universe in this non-local way is interconnected with every other part and that includes us that we don't exist at these isolated entities and quantum physics is literally like like reflecting that back to us if you contemplate it in a certain way and that's what i'm pointing out in my book
0: so in essence you're saying not only that humans we are one but the entire universe is one together
1: yeah well absolutely and um one way of you know the beautiful metaphor i use to and i uh, i in the book i talk about this there's this eastern this metaphor um indra's net and imagine this the this network of these of these gems these precious gems polished gems and they're all connected with this thread and they all they all reflect each other so each of the jewels reflects all the other jewels and vice versa well, think of think about each of those those jewels as an individual consciousness and as any one of us, you know, as we self reflect or wake up um, and we add that much more light to our own self, to our own consciousness, that little, you know, quanta of light that we we've just, you know, added to our own mind is getting reflected Via every other jewel so it's adding light to the whole universe and what that means that any any one of us You know if we have any a bit of awakening or owning our shadow or recognizing the dreamlike nature That's having that that's registered That's having a non-local effect on the entire universe and like one other image that that comes to mind It's a beautiful image if you have a glass of water and you add these these grains like say like you'd have like this sugar and you add like granules of sugar, they just dissolve and dissolve, and then it reaches a saturation point, and you add one more grain of sugar, and a crystal will spontaneously manifest. That, that's a perfect sort of metaphor for any one of us. It could be any one person in this very moment having a realization of who they are or the dreamlike nature could be that grain of sugar that catalyzes a global awakening in the whole universe.
0: Yeah, we're seeing it right now in Europe when it comes to the yellow vest, but that's a different topic. What is, and this is a question that may be too simplistic to even ask, but everybody thinks that we live in a, well, most people who listen to this program, rather, that we live in a simulation, a holographic universe. But what is reality, Paul?
1: Yeah, well, that's right. (laughs) You know, that's not not an easy question to answer. I mean, And and actually one of the things I learned from studying quantum physics that sometimes or a lot of times it's way more important to ask the right question um, than to find the right answer. And um, and that is that is a profound question. And one of the answers that quantum physics is, is reflecting back to us is whatever reality is, you can't separate out our consciousness from the universe. That um we never experienced the universe without awareness, without consciousness, without our mind. And, um, you know, and so pre-quantum physics thought of the universe as like objective out there, separate from us who were just studying this thing outside of ourselves. But whatever reality is, we're a part of it. We're an expression of it. The act of observing it actually is affecting the way it manifests. And all of this is to say that you you have to factor in consciousness as a key factor in the equation of of whatever reality is. And that's a radical break from pre-quantum understanding of, of, of what reality
0: is. When it comes to quantum physics, how do you foresee that it will change humanity?
1: Well, what I see is that we, our species, we're on the fast track for we're we're performing this ritual on the world stage. We're collectively killing ourselves. We're performing a collective suicide, genocide, uh, this ecocide, and and we're just driving towards that cliff, you know, with ever increasing speed. And um, so, you know, I point out that that quantum physics is and I, I, I just really want to you know say this clearly and have your audience hear this there is no doubt that quantum physics is the solution to the world crisis that there I can you know I can write a book about that I did um whether we actually are awake enough to, to recognize what it's showing us that's that's another question and it brings up the whole idea and I talk about this in the book I point out that quantum physics is what I call this this like a spiritual like this treasure and there's I do Tibetan Buddhist practice and there the lineage I do practice there's this these phenomena called um spiritual treasures and what they are they're like if you think about the enlightened um you know being the enlightened um energy it planted in the fabric of the cosmos these these alarm clocks that that it designed that exactly at the right moment in history, when the, these wake-up calls were needed, the right person who was destined to discover them would discover whether it was a teaching or sometimes there would be a hidden sacred object that was hidden in the earth or in the sky or in the water or even in our minds. And all of a sudden, somebody would see, they, would, they might see a syllable, and the sing of that syllable might help them to remember 20 volumes of texts of sacred teachings, and that's exactly the teaching that was needed at that moment in history. That's the idea of the spiritual treasure in the Tibetan Buddhist tradition that I do practice to. And it's not a fairy tale. That's how the lineage actually, you know, perpetuates itself and keeps itself fresh and pure. You know, it's, and and scholars study this stuff. This isn't like, a, like I said, it's not a fairy tale. Well, I'm not an expert. I have no authority to have a recognition of what these hidden treasures are. But everything I know about the hidden treasure tradition and everything I know about quantum physics, I have no doubt at all that quantum physics is a modern day spiritual treasure that we as a species have literally dreamed up this medicine think about quantum physics as this participatory medicine because it's pointing at that we're actually participating in the creation of our experience of ourselves and the universe and so quantum physics we've literally dreamed it up like in tibetan buddhism the practitioners would dream up the spiritual treasure right when it was needed to help them to like get over whatever obstacles they were encountering that's what i'm i'm like i have no doubt in my mind even though i have no authority i'm not like an enlightened person who's authorized to say oh that's a, a hidden treasure but everything i know about that phenomena i have no doubt that quantum physics it certainly from all appearances seems that it's a hidden treasure that we have dreamed up into the world into the physics community and into our minds to help us to actually wake up to recognize who we are to recognize what is reality, whatever that means, and to access this incredible creativity that we all have, that we are, we're using unconsciously in a way that's destroying us.
0: Let me grab this from your book. Quantum physics is the most subvers- subserv- I'm sorry, subversive of all the sciences, having created a quote-unquote reality crisis in the field of physics such that the very idea of reality has been undermined relegated to being a questionable, ambiguous, twilight concept. Why is quantum physics the most subversive of all sciences?
1: Oh, well, I mean, you know, that, how I would answer that is because before quantum physics, what every other science was studying, quantum physics has proven, oh, there's no such thing. Every other science was studying what they thought of as being an independently existing objective universe. Um... And quantum physics has like, in a sense, pulled the rug out of what we think of as reality and saying, oh, if you think there is an independently existing objective universe separate from your consciousness, that's it's that's, a, you know, a completely false notion that's been proven, empirically proven beyond the slightest shadow of a doubt that that's a nonsensical concept, that that's just an idea in your head that is no correlate to reality. You know, so that's what I'm pointing at, or that's what these quantum physicists that those are, in my words. These are the founding fathers who are saying this is the most subversive science ever. It's creating a reality crisis in the field of physics. And, um, yeah, and if you really begin to wrap your mind around that, wait a second. Well, it certainly seems as if there's an objective universe. Well, yeah. Why does it seem as if? Because, you know, we've been entrained to think that and because of the incredible creative power of our mind. And if I could give you like a perfect example to understand that. Say if we're in a dream at night and whatever viewpoint you're holding in the dream, well, what is the dream? A dream is just a reflection of your of your viewpoint. So if I, if I all of a sudden change my viewpoint in that dream, the dream has no choice but to instantaneously shapeshift and reflect back my change in viewpoint. But, but if I'm not awake that I'm dreaming, now I have all the evidence of the seeming objective truth of the reality of my viewpoint. Because the dream were giving me all the evidence. It's reflecting back, you know, my viewpoint as if it's other than myself. And if I don't realize I'm dreaming, now I have, like I said, the proof I need that my, that my perspective is objectively true. So then I'm going to become even more entrenched in that viewpoint thinking I'm just seeing reality. Then the more entrenched in that viewpoint I become in the dream, the more the dream reflects back the truth of that viewpoint ad infinitum. And that's a self-perpetuating feedback loop whose origin is our own mind, and that's an example of how we have this incredible genius, this creative genius for actually co-creating reality, but that's an example of how we're using it unconsciously in a way that's entrancing ourselves. And what I just described in a dream, that's what quantum physics has discovered. They've discovered the way we set up our experiment, the questions we ask, how we interpret our data actually condition conditions the answers we get back that if we change the way we're v- setting up the experiment, viewing the experiment, interpreting the data, the questions we're asking, we will get a different set of answers. So what I just described in a dream that totally you know suit so that that maps on to the waking dream that that's what in essence, what quantum physics is revealing to us if you have eyes to see
0: I like it as as the interview evolves. It's almost as if we're peeling an onion, and we're just getting deeper and deeper Now you mentioned how light particles, photons may have intelligence. Do you think that this may sound you know far-fetched but do you think the quantum world is sentient
1: yeah well that it's so interesting because you know the main experiment i mean it's it's called the most beautiful experiment in all of history by you know um certain scientists. Um, The the two-slit experiment, which is the experiment that people are saying that the entire mystery of quantum physics is like enfolded within the the two-slit experiment. And um, that's the experiment where they discovered, oh, my God, consciousness has entered the physics lab. And one of the things they found in that experiment was that if they were observing those photons, for example – the photons would react as if they knew they were being observed. And when we weren't observing them, they reacted differently than when we would observe them. So, you know, I mean, I'm not in a position to, to say one thing or the other in a definitive way, but one of the, the things that quantum physics is shedding light on is that this universe certainly seems, from all appearances, to have a certain sentience that it responds to to our mind, and, and that it actually, quantum physics is pointing at, well, it's actually not separate from our mind, similar to how a dream, when you're in a dream, that a dream is not separate from your mind, and if you change the way you're viewing the dream, like I was saying, the dream has no choice but to instantaneously shape-shift and reflect your change in viewpoint. So it certainly seems as if this isn't like a dead universe that's inanimate, but that it has like a certain consciousness to it.
0: When what we take to be real is recognized to be an illusion, it will initially be a disorienting experience. Now, for the materialist, and I'm not referring to material possessions, but the theory that nothing exists except matter and its movements and modifications, does this mean this illusion is a simulation? And if so, who is controlling the simulation? And are we just characters on the simulation
1: yeah well that's such an interesting question i mean i think about like with with the mate you know the the movie like the um you
0: know so many of them though
1: yeah whether it's the matrix or whatever but then also elon musk talks up he has his theory about this is a computer simulation and you know that's such a rabbit hole to to go down and um You know, what I would say is that so we're from, you know, one way of languaging it of what I'm actually trying to get to is that we're all these 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 dream characters in each other's dreams. And to the extent we're asleep, we we think of ourselves as, you know, the ones who are like controlling ourselves or in charge of our reactions when in actual fact there's a deeper A deeper part of ourselves that's that's dreaming us and in that that deeper something it's it's what I actually call in my previous writings um, the deeper dreaming self and there's only one of it you can think of a meditating Buddha who's having you know a meditation or an imagination or a dream and we're its imagination and when we as a dream character who's thinking we're separate when we when we actually wake up we recognize we're just the emanation of this deeper dreaming self that meditating buddha and there's only one of it and that's who we are and that's the true nature and from that state there's no separation that we actually don't don't exist isolated or alien from each other but we're interconnected and interdependent and then of course the question well like whose whose dream who is that deeper dreaming self well all the spiritual traditions are saying well that's our that's who we are that's our nature And quantum physics is actually pointing in that direction, because what I point at is that the insights of of Buddhism, for example, because I'm so familiar with Buddhism being a practitioner for so long, that the insights that Buddhism has been saying for for 2,500 years map on precisely to the insights that quantum physics is bringing forth in the last 100 years. And I'm pointing at I have no doubt that what, you know, that what like, you know, the the Tibetan Buddhists, for example, are calling Buddha nature and what quantum physicists are calling the quantum, that the quantum is the Buddha nature. It is our true nature. And in the book, I actually have like a major chapter on that, you know, really pointing out the incredible similarity between our Buddha nature and the quantum.
0: How much of what we subjectively perceive is true, and I'm sure my perception is widely different than yours.
1: Yeah, well well, that's such an interesting question because once again, I bring in quantum physics in the sense that quantum physics is basically saying that this universe is is like this, this um, like when you say it rains, and you know, I'm in Portland, so a lot of times it'll rain and it'll get sunny and there'll be this, this rainbow. And quantum physics will say, oh, this universe is like a rainbow, in the sense that if you and I see a rainbow in the sky right now, we're not seeing an objective rainbow. I mean, think about what a rainbow is. It's the, the confluence of three factors of light, of, of there's water and there's the mind. And if you take out any of those three factors, there's no rainbow. There's no objective rainbow existing out there separate from the mind that's observing it. But if you and I are seeing that rainbow, we're not seeing the same rainbow. We're each seeing our own private rainbow. I mean, think about it. You know, we're each seeing it from a slightly different angle and the rainbow only exists Inside of our mind, you know, and the point is quantum physics is saying that's the nature of 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 this physical world, that there's no objective physical world. We're each having just like we're each seeing our own private rainbow. We're each seeing our own private version of this of this world. And, you know, the tragic aspect is that so much of the war going on are people fighting over which version of this universe of this rainbow like universe is the objectively true one when what quantum physics is saying is that no, there is no objective, there's no there's no objectively true world out there, you know, and um, you know, that the nature of it, and it's not just saying that it's subjective, that that we're like seeing through our own filter and seeing through our own lens and just superimposing our own projections onto you know whatever's out there and we're each just you know seeing our own subjective projections. Quantum physics isn't saying that, similar to how it's not saying there's an objective world out there. Quantum physics is somehow like the link between the subjective and the objective, you know. And that's one of, that's one of the cutting edges of, of all the, you know, the study in quantum physics now by the really far out physicists is, is that edge between the subjective and the objective and that edge between we live in what appears to be a classical world. Things seem to have a linear, you know, obey causality and be there's linear time. But at a certain, but quantum physics is saying, no, this world is quantum through and through, that the, this world is quantum on all scales. And so one of the most interesting points of study in quantum physics right now is where is that edge between this world appears classical, but the quantum physicists have proven that that it's actually quantum. Where does it transform into its seeming quant, seeming classical world of normal mundane reality and, you know, that place where it transforms into the quantum dimension, that's an interesting place of really of inquiry.
0: Now, here's an interesting notion. Are we suffering from an objective reality hangover?
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's, that's my term, the objective reality hangover. And no, absolutely. I mean, quantum physics can help us to alleviate um, so much of, of, you know, particularly the unnecessary suffering that we're creating, because what, what the inside of the Buddha, he was a doctor, really, who found a cure for a disease. And the disease is our suffering. That's what his great enlightenment was about. And quantum physics in potential in true quantum style is is helping us to understand the same thing. That if we actually are clinging on and concretizing this endlessly fluid world that's pulsating in and out of the void every nanosecond and it's refreshing itself anew and there's no continuity from one moment to the next, like each moment is a completely new world that we live in, including ourselves. But if we cling on to that universe and solidify the universe or solidify ourselves as a reference point existing in time – by doing that, in a sense, we've contracted against our natural um, light and our the, the radiance of our true nature, and the result of that is suffering. And so I, I want to differentiate between, on the one hand, there's suffering, which is just part of being alive, which can have, help us to purify ourselves. Then there's the unnecessary suffering, where we're clinging, for example, onto a self that doesn't even exist. That's what quantum physics, similar to Buddhism,
0: can help us to see through. But what is the intoxication? Because obviously the word hangover, then now it's intoxication. Are we talking about the world that we see, then it kind of distorted, unhealthy and inaccurate? Yeah. To the
1: extent that any of us, and keep in mind, it's, it pervades the collective, the agreement, the collective reality that this world is out there, separate from us, it exists, objectively, independently of our of observation, you know, similar to like a dream. If you're in a dream and if you're seeing the dream in that way and then, you know, every other dream character in that dream and they're all also seeing the dream as being solid and objective and separate from themselves, the dream will manifest that way. And then they, like I was saying before, then they have the evidence that, well, the dream really is objective. And um, the, the point is, is that, when you hold that, it is, it's it's, a, it's an intoxication in the sense that it's poisonous. It's poisonous to our true nature in that it shuts us off from our experience of having the recognition of our true nature, which is to say it, 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 it makes us blind to our interconnectedness, to our interdependence, and if we don't see our interdependence, that we depend on each other for our very well-being, Then it closes off our great compassion, our infinite compassion, and then we become neurotic. Then we've become dissociated within ourselves and split, and then we become identified with who we're not, which is this isolated alien identity where we're actually, you know, that's not who we are, and that creates incredible illness. That creates poison. That's the intoxication. And, you know, I've written a book about that, the whole idea of that there's this mind virus like, um, you know, like, the indig- call it Watico. And I talk about that Watico has infected the physics community. Absolutely. But that's what that's what that whole idea of Watico is about, is that, you know, to the extent that we, you know, we actually aren't seeing clearly who we are, What the nature of this world is and our relationship to the world, to the extent that we're not seeing that clearly, that is a form of intoxication, of poison, and it creates illness and suffering.
0: Let me stay with with Watiko here for a moment. Watiko, just for the listeners who haven't listened to Paul's first interview, and if you haven't, folks, listen to it. And that way you can learn about Paul's real history and what made, made him, I didn't want to spend time discussing all of this because we discussed it in the past. But Watico is like a virus that not only blocks the reception of information but replaces false images. Does quantum physics shit light on Watico?
1: Yeah, yeah, totally. And um, I, I point out that, that you know, there is a segment of the physics community that's infected with this, with Watico, with this this mind virus to the extent that we actually if somebody in the science community is still having that objective reality hangover, is still intoxicated and entranced in thinking that the that the world is an independently existing objective world, then you know that is to have fallen under the spell of Watiko. And and keep in mind, as soon as we see the world as objective, the other half of that equation is then then we've dreamed up, we've conjured up, we've created ourselves as being a subject, you know, as being this reference point in time, and that's a false identity. That's not who we are. But we need, you know, the objective world and the subjective experience of ourselves as as an ego, as a reference point, they reciprocally co-arise, and they reinforce and condition each other. And so they go together. So as long as, whether we're a scientist or a non-scientist, as long as we see the world as being objectively existing, we've simultaneously created ourselves to be subjectively existing in relation to that objective world in a way that's, that's false, in a way that's not true. Then we've disconnected from ourselves, from our true nature, from our genius. And um, you know, and that's, in a sense, that's a real simple way of describing Watiko, that it's a mind virus. It's a cancer of the mind that operates through our blind spots. And and it works through the projective tendencies of the mind, like I was describing before in a dream. If you hold a viewpoint, the dream gives you the evidence it reflects your viewpoint. So if you project onto the waking inkblot, this inkblot of this world, the waking inkblot called life has it just reflects back our projection. And then if we don't have awareness of that process, we become entranced by our projections similar to if a kitten is looking in a mirror and thinks the reflection is a separate kitten and then reacts to the reflection. And then the reflection just mirrors that back. And then she reacts to that. And, and you know, for infinity, that's us to the extent that we've fallen under the spell of Watiko. And that's what quantum physics is actually, if you look at it in a certain way, can, can see, can show, can
0: see through that illusion. After reading some of your comments about Jung and, and Gebser, I wonder are we as a collective creating our own reality? And if so, who writes the script, Paul? Is it us or is it someone or something else?
1: Yeah, well I would say that we collectively are dreaming up this universe. All seven and a half billion of us humans, including all other species, we're collectively dreaming up this universe to manifest the way it is. And you know, the way it works is that just think about an individual. If I have an unconscious content, well, what's going to happen? That unconscious content, I'm going to, it's going to pr- get projected out and it's going to get dreamed up in my dream. What is a dream but the unconscious? It's, an, it's a reflection, a projection, an expression of my unconscious. So if I have an unconscious content, I'm going to dream it up in my, in my dream tonight and it's going to appear outside of me in the dreamscape. And if I'm not, if I don't have lucidity, I'm going to think it's separate and real and I'm going to react to it, become conditioned by it, you know, and you like we've been describing. And the point is, that's one person. That's how, you know, for each of us, if we have an unconscious element, yeah, this being dreamlike, which w- was what all the spiritual, uh, you know, teachings are saying, then if we have an unconscious content, our dreams will reflect that back and being that this universe is dreamlike. This waking dream will reflect it back and what's playing out on the world stage is our collective, you know, unconsciousness literally getting and symbolically getting dreamed up into materialization and we're playing out our unconscious and we're reacting to it and we're not recognizing the role that we're playing in actually conjuring up the very experiences we're having. And that's what I was referencing before when I say, yeah. We're we're on the fast track towards collective suicide. Um, but that's it. There's actually good news encoded in that, because in the Watiko book, I talk about that encoded in the the poison and in the the evil and in the pathology of Watiko that it's actually helping us. It's actually helping us to wake up. It's like in Watiko, superposed, to use a quantum physics term, is like the greatest poison or the most amazing blessing and how it manifests, just like in quantum physics, how it manifests depends on how it's observed, on how it's dreamed up. And so, um, yeah, if we don't recognize what's playing out in the world as being a reflection of what's what's actually happening inside of each and every one of us, we're going to continue to destroy ourselves. But my whole work is about trying to help people look. You can recognize we can actually it's, it's like staring us in the face that what's playing out on the world stage is reflecting something that's happening deep inside the soul of humanity. As more and more of us have the recognition of that, then all of a sudden we're, we're beginning to wake up and we can access our, our genius, particularly when we could connect with each other in a way where we could activate the collective genius in a way that we can actually be of benefit.
0: Are you essentially saying that we literally manifest the thoughts that we entertain And this fabric, we, you and I, and the listeners and the whole world, we're part of this fabric. We're just threats of this fabric. And whatever we do, the entire fabric will reflect the good or the bad.
1: Yeah, but the thing, you know, I mean, that needs, I mean, that's true. But like that, I feel like that needs like, you know, like more subtle articulation because this waking dream we're in right now, the physical world, it's slower like if you're in a night dream and if you change your perspective instantaneously, the dream will shape shift and reflect back your change in perspective. If I try to do that now well this this dream seems way more solid, and so in a sense it's it 's of a more dense vibration, but in essence it's it 's the same in the sense that yeah it 's not separate from our the thought forms we 're holding and um and you know keep in mind what we 're contemplating this is what every wisdom tradition. Spiritual wisdom tradition in the history of this planet is pointing at that, you know, this world, that our experience, that the physical world is an actual expression of the thought forms we're holding. The Buddha in the Dhammapada, the, I think the very first thing he says, which is the sayings of the Buddha, he says, we create this universe with our thoughts. You know and and that 's what that one way of, of translating that is that it 's what quantum physics is discovering is that yeah, that this physical universe can 't be separated out from the mind that 's observing it, and the way we observe the universe is actually affecting the universe, and that 's the rabbit hole. You know, instead of having to go, you know, through a million equations or any math or anything, that's the rabbit hole, the observer effect. The act the act of observation changes the thing observed. That introduces us to the dreamlike nature. What I've done in the book is really inquire into that into that insight in a way that really unlocks what quantum physics is actually showing us.
0: To put things in a more mundane way, when we think of garbage in in our brains, what we see? Because people think diet is only eating. But what I see, what I hear, the music I listen to, the TV programs that I watch if I ever do, which I don't. But isn't this part of the program that people are out there watching all these, uh, the garbage that goes in and goes out, isn't this manifesting in a universal way?
1: Oh, totally, totally. I mean, you know, I I point out in my different... My different work that the real war that's going on is a war on our consciousness, you know, and um, that but we have to be the arbiters. We have to be really careful of what we ingest of what we take into to ourselves. And, you know, there's a danger if you really study what's happening in the world these days and it's so scary or dark or evil. um, You know, it's easy to really get caught in despair or depression or pessimism. And then if we get, you know, fixated in that viewpoint of a pessimistic viewpoint, you know, unwittingly, we're actually going to be invoking more evidence to confirm that viewpoint. So we're then colluding with the very evil that we're reacting to. So it's incredibly important um, what what um, information we take in. And I'm not saying just to ignore the shadow. No, that I know a lot of new age people who just don't want to think about evil, don't want to put their attention there. And and they're just like, you know, overly one-sidedly attached to the light. But by avoiding the the darkness out of fear, they're unwittingly feeding it. The point that I'm saying is, no, you have to have open eyes and you have to see, you know, the, the real shadow, the real evil that's playing out both in the world and in ourselves. Uh, but then not to be overly fascinated by that. And, but it was, as soon as you're not blind and avoiding the evil, which is feeding it, but you're actually seeing it, then as a sovereign being, we can choose where we place our attention on. And then we don't have to become overly fascinated with the dark. We can choose to create the world we want to live in. That's what I would suggest would be a beautiful, you know, place to to invest our, our attention. Because one of the things that quantum physics is, is you know, pointing out to us is that our attention is an incredible power that we have. Where we place our attention actually has a major impact on the world and our experience of the world and our experience of ourselves.
0: We are getting deeper and deeper, We, but we have to take a break so we can separate both segments. But let me ask you this, and we'll get your answer on the other side, because this is just, it's becoming more fascinating as we get deeper. To most people, ideas come from connecting information learned, into new concepts but really where do new ideas come from and i ask you because many of our listeners and even to me i sometimes come up with concepts or ideas and i really have no idea pardon the pun where they came from i want to discuss this when we come back but how can people buy the new book quantum revelation a radical synthesis of science and spirituality and all your other work
1: yeah no i I really appreciate that um i mean on the one hand you can Go to Amazon and all my books are there. I think, but also, um, awaken in the dream is my website, and you can get my books there. There's a ton of articles, and all the articles are for free. There's a lot of interviews, like this one would, it will be up there, and they're all just for free. So that that um, that would be the place. The uh, um, www. awaken in the Let me
0: just congratulate you not only the book, but you have received great endorsements, Sting, uh, Jenny Houston. Who else has endorsed you? I mean, so many of the who's who. Yeah, yeah. I'm really fortunate in that way. I mean, people have just been so
1: kind in that uh, a, a lot of real major people who are, you know, who themselves are doing incredible work. When they've come across my work, um, you know I mean I, whatever it's just it's kind of a dream come true in that they're just you know they're calling you know I'm kind I, I don't like talking about myself in this way but you know they they say really kind things about my work and I'm I'm just really I have real real gratitude about that
0: that's great well folks don't go anywhere I'm here with my special guest tonight Paul Levy and much more when we return this is Mel Fabregas and you are listening to Veritas don't go anywhere oh.
1: Thank you for listening to the first part of this very important Veritas interview. To listen to the rest and all of our material, proceed to the members section or subscribe at VeritasRadio.com. Don't forget to visit the Veritas store for MMS, hemp oil,
0: pure organic sulfur, and other great products. Thank you.